0: Hello, ladies. Welcome to Mindful Health for the Wise Woman. It's Nadine, yoga teacher and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Today, I am pleased to welcome Lauren Walsh to the podcast. Lauren is the CEO and founder of Global Sisterhood, an incredible platform for rising women and a movement of sister circles around the world in over 85 countries, providing space, guidance and practices for women everywhere to cultivate emotional freedom and to live in their power. Thank you so very much for being here today, Lauren. How are you today?
1: Good. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: I am very pleased that you could join us. Can you please share your story and your experiences growing up as a young woman?
1: That is such a big question. That mm-hmm. is the question. <laughs> so I experienced what most women experience as little girls all over the world. Um, I experienced trauma for being a girl. Um, I feel like there's a, I like to consider uh, like a, a dial. Of extreme extreme oppression and extreme trauma as a woman mm-hmm. or a girl and then just like that, that everyday trauma that we all have of not knowing if our voice matters not knowing if our not feeling like we have to be super beautiful or pretty or smile mm-hmm. or be a certain way be something other than we are and I experienced something in the middle I had a father who was very wounded and he went on an addiction path and I experienced the trauma of that, as well as when I began to develop as a young woman. I experienced some really, really hard things with young men, um, where my body was abused in certain situations. And then after that, I went looking for, looking to understand why, why I felt the way I felt. And In doing that, I searched in dark places. I experimented with alcohol. I experimented with drugs. I was attracted to young men who had emotional issues themselves who couldn't see my value and I just went down this destructive path pretty severely for about seven years from 13 to 21.
0: Hmm.
1: When I was 21, I found myself in an abusive relationship in Los Angeles and it was one of those moments where I felt like I wasn't coming back, that all my dreams and hopes of the type of woman I was going to grow up to be, I had really, truly lost sight of that. And I was surrendering to the fact that none of that was ever going to come true. And I was in this really desperate moment when I had what I like to call an intervention from the divine. Hmm. And I don't know how else to explain it other than a miracle. And I was invited to go live in the Amazon and I remember leaving my apartment in Los Angeles where it, that apartment to me felt quite like a, gen- a dungeon. We were, we were near the beach, yet I hardly went to it. And when I, left, when I left that apartment, the wind was blowing so strong and waves were crashing and I just felt this, this hope inside that something in my life was going to change. And I found myself in the middle of the Amazon forest in northern Brazil.
0: So stepping back a little bit, what was the nature of your social support? I know you had mentioned briefly about your dad. What about other family members or siblings? How, what were your relationships like with other family members? Mm-hmm.
1: So I was born the youngest of four. And at this point, the time I got to be about 13, they were all you know, they were all gone and needing to find themselves and their selves just in the world. So, so do you I, feel like
0: you were an only child?
1: Well, no, because my mom got remarried and I had a stepbrother who was okay. about my age. Okay. And my mom was my angel. My mom was my, my rock. woman. That woman just was everything for me. And even still with her solid presence, I had a, a journey, a learning that I needed to go through that was quite dark in nature. And it was because of her support and the support of my siblings that I even got the invitation to go to the Amazon. It was like a, it was an intervention both from the divine and from them from them as well
0: mm-hmm. and so what was the nature of your work in the amazon
1: well it wasn 't work at that point; it was a simple visit. Um, my cousin had found this village there years ago, and my brother, who had gone down a similar path as I had. Uh, had gone there and had a lot of found a lot of peace in himself, and I could see a visible change in him. And so he took me with him. and 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 really, it was an opportunity for me to come back to remembering who I am at my core.
0: Mm-hmm. How long were you there?
1: For the first time, I was there for a month, and then I went back several years later that going there sparked a big journey for me. When I say an awakening, when I had an awakening, I mean I could see the parts of me that were broken, Mm -hmm. and I found the motivation to change.
0: So what did you do when you came home from the first visit?
1: I dove into healing like no other. I went down the path of exploring so many different modalities, from yoga to acupuncture to energy work to massage therapy to working with... Somatic therapists. I just dove into alternative health, mm-hmm. actually.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in, at the same time, I started wanting to help others. And applying what, what I call spiritual discipline, which was mm. a, not discipline as in a form of punishment, mm-hmm. but discipline as in a sense of, no, I'm actually not going to go to bars anymore and actually no i'm not going to go do those same things that used to bring me down those rabbit holes i'm going to actually say goodbye to certain relationships i actually came back and i changed my phone number and i let my past go and i knew that i would find the ones that meant to come with me that were meant to come with me into the future and so i just made the commitment to change my life
0: when you let go of certain patterns or certain behaviors, there's going to be a void. Don't you agree? And so how and why did you replace them with something else?
1: That's a great question. Um, one that's never been framed in that way for me. Um, but yes, I, I can identify it as a void. I felt lonely mm-hmm. and scared and like I was walking in the dark. And I felt shame I felt like a, I felt shame for my past and I felt scared that I wouldn't make it to this future that I imagined. Mm. I, in letting go of certain things, I I knew I couldn't dabble, you know what I mean? Like I had to like straight cut certain habits because they were too, they were too attractive to me. Like for instance, some people know that if they have a little bit of sugar, they're going to have a lot of sugar. It was like that with a lot of things for me, relationships that I had codependent patterns with all sorts of things. And so what I filled that void with was spiritual practice.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Did you find yourself placing blame on others in your life for what was happening to you or because of your challenges?
1: 100%.
0: And so how did you work through that? Not allowing yourself to be a victim and and I'll use the word again or phrase taking charge of your own well-being and your healing.
1: I love this question. It's a, a, a question that I'm very passionate about, actually, that I like to teach around as well. So thank you for asking me this. I, I feel like there's different phases of, of healing trauma. And one, I feel like when you have a lot of trauma, there's a feeling of shame or unworthiness or I deserved all the things that happened to me.
0: Mm.
1: And then when you move through that and you must move through that, there's this, wait a second actually, no, this person did this and this person did this Mm -hmm. and this person did this. And Mm -hmm. I was actually kind of innocent. And there's this rage or this anger, Mm -hmm. which is, which is a natural step in the process. It's needed because it's a force of energy that helps move you out of that kind of apathetic, sad position. And so in that, I saw myself, I, I recognized my victim consciousness and I took ownership, I guess. I, I, I think I wouldn't have been able to take accountability or ownership unless I believed that I, there was something more to life than, than just existence. I had to, for me, how I let go of victim consciousness was by realizing that I am a soul in a body and I'm here and my journey didn't begin before I incarnated and it's not going to end when I leave. And me believing that helped me say, okay, then I get, there's something, there is a power in me to choose my journey. And if I want to choose my journey, I have to cultivate my soul. And if I am giving away my power through blame and victim consciousness, then I'm not spending that time cultivating my
0: soul. So the key word in what I heard you say was choice. You Mm. made a choice. You saw that Mm -hmm. all of it was a choice, whether it's destructive behavior, whether it's playing the victim or believing yourself to be the victim, and sometimes we are, but then what do you do with that? Can you choose to move past it? I, I thank you for that answer. Did you find also that this was helping you, your own journey and your own journey to healing was helping you to want to serve other women, specifically to find their own voice?
1: And their power yes 100% I think that that we touched on this earlier I think that something that's really beautiful about being alive is that whatever breaks our heart the thing that breaks our heart the most um, has something to teach us and it actually can reveal our path and our purpose and Then we have to Mm. assess and cultivate what skills we have and what skills we need to acquire Mm -hmm. to serve that purpose. Mm. And so for me, um, serving women and helping women recognize their power and step into their worth became what lit me up and what gave me strength. And stepping onto that path, I began to really truly heal even deeper.
0: Was this your inspiration then for founding Global Sisterhood? I feel like with Global Sisterhood, yes, I surrendered
1: on a path. You know, I I envisioned when I was younger, I wanted to be an actress. I always envisioned myself giving some type of speech that was inspiring, you know, (laughs) but there was also this part of me that wanted to be seen in that and acknowledged in that and told I was beautiful in that because I was thirsty for attention, right? And so when I wanted to start supporting women I did so very humbly like I said I started working with a team, and then that grew naturally mothers would call me to work with their teens and then I started working with the mothers and then I started working with women that I, my, my oldest client was 80 years old mm. and I was helping these women heal from their feminine trauma mm-hmm we all have it to some degree or another
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and that led me on a journey of creating workshops and just like stepping into that more and more i created a workshop at a rehab facility facility and worked with women of addiction there which was really beautiful and i called the program wounds to wisdom because i really do believe our wounds have wisdom for us and then just leading workshops led me to this one day event where i was speaking to women and i would my circle i put women in a circle and it was witnessed by a man who ran a nonprofit called mm. unify.org mm. and this nonprofit specialized in global synchronized meditations so basically they had the capacity to galvanize hundreds of thousands of people to meditate at the same moment and he saw me lead these women in a circle and i led us through this little meditation and he was like that that is needed women need to gather all all across the world. And so he approached me and asked me if I could do a global event for women, what would it be about? And of course I said, healing. And um, we began working and created a concept and launched Global Sisterhood in 2016, you know, just a, a hope that it would touch some people. And our campaign video had over a million views within two weeks and women gathered in over 65 countries. And we had 650 women's circles happen on that day, International Women's Day, March 8th, 2016.
0: And how were the women able to gather at together in so many places?
1: So this video then guided them to a, a landing page. And this page had details to sign up. And then once they signed up, they got on our email list and we sent them a guidebook, a toolkit, how to do everything. We gave them all the resources and mm-hmm. about 50% of the women had never led a woman's circle ever before, I hadn't even heard of it. And some of those women are leading circles every month for us to these day to till, the, till this day. So it was a really beautiful call for women to gather and support each other in a global community.
0: You're galvanizing women to form their own circles. It's not necessarily one big circle that's led from one place.
1: Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Though we do have a centralized location online Mm -hmm. where women share their stories. They ask each other for help Mm. from all different types of backgrounds, nationalities, religious beliefs, political beliefs. And there's a lot of guidelines to create the conversation to be a human conversation rather than these more surface things. Mm
0: -hmm. And you're creating a safe space in order to do that. Have you noticed any hesitation or embarrassment or shame for women to allow themselves to be vulnerable, to share personal, hurtful, traumatizing stories?
1: Of course. And then also the opposite. People, Some women are just not wanting to hear other women's stories. Mm. That's also a part of it. Some, some women just want to move on. I just want to be positive, which I also really appreciate. We need the balance. We need the play. We need the levity. We need the lightness. And we also need to acknowledge the, the pain that's happening and not, and not deny that both men and women all over the world suffer and Mother Nature suffers. And yet there's a lot of beauty and things to be grateful
0: for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many people would you say have been able to respond to Global Sisterhood?
1: Around 80,000 women.
0: What is your mission statement?
1: That's a really great question. Um, our mission statement is to support women on the path of self-discovery and claiming their worth and power.
0: Once you take ownership of that, then there's action required afterwards. Don't you agree? Uh-huh.
1: Absolutely. There's a responsibility. Yeah, no. So I led a women's circle. Last night was the new moon. And we have circles happening every new moon all around the world. And we provide a theme. And the theme last night was uh, called Inspired Visionary. And what that brought up was women scared to step into their greatness, scared of Mm -hmm. women, other women judging Mm -hmm. them, scared of their voice being judged, scared of their choices being judged. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a huge fear that almost every woman can identify with. Mm -hmm. at some point in her journey,
0: do you have any stories as to how anyone has dealt with that?
1: I work with nine women and we steward this mission and just, even stepping into creating content for Global Sisterhood has been edgy for them, for myself. At first, I'm a perfect example. When I created this campaign video that I told you that launched it all, um, I wrote that script and I created it and I spoke it. It was a voiceover that I did. And I was really afraid that people would think I was presumptuous. And then even this year, I did another campaign video and I'm actually seen in it and I'm speaking in it. And I'm speaking about freeing the feminine, and I felt scared and presumptuous myself because I'm speaking about freeing the feminine, and I am a white young woman in America. And so there was a part of me that was like, I feel I feel scared of what people will say about me. And so there's a lot of that that I still deal with and that my team deals with because we're we're trying to touch the souls of many women, and yet we're still learning ourselves. And we're, we, we notice, we know that we're not doing everything perfect in our own lives. And so it's vulnerable to put yourself out there when you can be criticized because we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. But if, if we don't speak up, who's going to? And everyone has a unique voice and everyone's story matters.
0: I agree. And I don't think it's ever too late to realize that it's overcoming and making that choice, right to overcome Mm -hmm. that negative and not self sabotage. How can we connect with global sisterhood? How can we find you go to global sisterhood.org and join at any time.
1: And we'll send you emails every new moon and full moon with really amazing wisdom and resources and tools to support you on your journey.
0: I have a final question I ask every guest. Okay. What is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy?
1: My personal definition of what it means to be healthy is to be emotionally aware, mentally attuned, recognizing you are not your thoughts <laughs> and that your mind is not your master. That your mind is here to serve the heart and living a life serving the heart is my definition of health.
0: Beautifully said, just beautifully said. I would love our journey that we took today. Thank you so very much for being here today. It's a pleasure to meet you.
1: It's a pleasure to meet you too. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And now it's time for practical tips, mind, body and spirit. You may remember my daughter Maddie from an early podcast episode. And if not, Please check it out. Recently, I asked her about how she has been able to maintain lasting and meaningful friendships with the young women in her life. Some since they were in kindergarten. This is what she said. That they have a diverse set of interests and backgrounds so that they can learn from one another. That they are capable of empathy. And finally, that they can recognize personal tendencies towards spite or envy and to be willing to rein those tendencies in. The last two points are especially vital. I thank Maddie for sharing. Thanks for being here. See you next time.